This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm very excited. I'm sitting here with Pete Holmes, who was the first ever guest on this podcast. I forgot. That's right. That was the first one. You were the inaugural guest. Well, before that, that great theme song. I'm not. It sounds like you know a comedian's perspective would be making fun of the theme song. Mm-hmm. It's a great theme song. Thank you. But I wasn't there the first time. Pete's never been an in-studio guest. Oh, He's right. never heard yes. any of the bells and whistles live show. I forgot and about the first that. Ever yeah, wasn't in a studio. Mm. Right. So you didn't hear that song. Mm. No. Is that fan based? It, it's fan source. Fan source. That's what yes. I meant. Yes. Well, yeah. back when I used to do this show out of my living room in Brooklyn, and it was a UStream show. Oh. I had that. Yeah. A lot of the songs come from. So Trap Dog is a musician and also a fan. Trap Dog. Yeah. Well, his name is. Um, is it Trapped is, Dog or Trap no, Dog? Trap Dog. His name is Tom Rap. So it's T R A P P. But not, he, his musical name is Trap Dog. No, not Trapped. Trapped would be worse. It'd be worse, yes. This is my trap dog. Depends where it's trapped, though. If it was like trapped. In a room full of dog food. <laughs> <laughs> that toys, wouldn't be bad, like, yeah. I'm not really trapped as much as I'm sequestered in <laughs> Yeah, joy. exactly. It's a gilded cage. <laughs> um, yeah. So you would have been the first person who's been on the show three times. Uh-huh. But Greg, oh. Greg Proops. Hey, kittens. <laughs> Hey, kittens, it's me, Greg Proops. I've been on the show three times. I can't really do them. Who do you do well? <laughs> I appreciate. Oh, wow. You've learned to pull, did, uh, pull did away Nick, from the mic. Was that, did Nick Kroll bang that in your head? Hey, kittens. <laughs> That's a passable Greg Proops. Oh. I'm saying it went downhill from there. Yeah, no, I'm just, I appreciate, <laughs> I like the gusto that you bring to the impressions. In yeah. fact, when I was on your show, yeah. you were saying, like, just free yourself up to do oh, Seinfeld yeah. or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 we Ms. did them Piggy. together. That's yeah. right. Hi-ya! Hi-ya! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you still I know. do it. I'm, I'm super in the moment yeah. when I do it. Do a proops. Hey, kittens. I don't. San Fran. Bush. <laughs> There's no, he, what did he say? When he was on the show, he talked about someone having a baby on a plane. Oh, I sound Australian. Like, remember what he said about a baby on a plane? Yeah. The bit, the baby. No. The ball. I can't see. I'm not good with You can do a golem, though. Oh. Oh. Vernon Pearl is now sun curl. You're so sweet. Anybody can do golem. Oh, I felt special for a second. So it's just been announced. <laughs> it has just been announced just that your show. What potatoes. Just doing Lord of the Rings now. Yeah, my show's been picked up. Congratulations. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. Thank you. That's That neat. was today. Mm-hmm. And here but we are. Now, I know. Thank you for squeezing this in. No, I no, no. Busy. I, I, you know why I didn't suggest today was I landed. I was in Arizona this morning. And I normally, you know, you get home, you don't want to do anything. But I have lots of energy and I'm very happy. What were you doing in Arizona? I did a corporate show. Really tr- uh, tricky. Those what was tricky. that like? 
The trick it's exactly like performing for a Christian college. Exactly. <laughs> and have or, you done that as well? I have, yeah. I would have to be me. I'm I think I'm the only comedian that's ever <laughs> performed at Christian colleges. But it's the idea that uh your bosses are all in the room, your superiors are all in the room. So it was really interesting and, and also very painful to watch people sit jokes out. And I made fun of them if they thought they could potentially be interpreted as uh even slightly edgy or offensive. Mm-hmm. Not swearing or anything, but it, the only other time is that, it this a very? I know you probably can't say who it is, but was it like a very clean cut company or yeah, just pretty any? much? I mean, anytime you do a corporate, I think the only, I've only done it twice. Uh-huh. I've done two corporate shows, maybe three, and they're like you have to be the, the crowd's conservative. They're from all over the country. Uh, they're aged between thirty and fifty, you know, and closer to the higher end of that spectrum, I think, based on the crowd. And then uh, so, and they were like, please, 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 be conservative. That's one of the reasons why I can do it is because I have a clean hour. Mm-hmm. But then you go out and and it's 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 a weird phenomenon. One is they don't want you to be clean. Anytime you're even like hinting at being a little bit dirty, suddenly everybody goes nuts. They love it so right. so much because they can tell that you're playing with fire. And then the other thing is, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, it's like because their superiors are in the room. The only other thing, the closest thing to it is I did a college once, but it was a uh, it was the parents. And students' weekend, so you're sitting sandwiched by your parents. Nothing is funny, right? You don't know what you can laugh at. You can't laugh at the sex joke or drugs joke. I don't even have really jokes like that. You can't even laugh at like anything. Well, really. it just sounds like I mean, it's it's the reason that comedy clubs are dark because yeah. otherwise people get self conscious. That's right. And this sounds like a very self conscious environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want even if there's like a large group of people in a comedy club that will uh, destroy the idea of organically creating like a, an anonymous situation where everybody can just become one thing called mm-hmm. the audience with a capital A. Now, this isn't an audience. This is a group that I'm this like weird virus, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I show up and there are antibodies showing up in the form of maybe not laughing. Sue, I, in the form of Sue. She's in the, such a ooh, bitch. Sue in the front row. Anytime I talk. See, they are fun and I would do, I, I like doing them uh, enough, you know what I mean? As much as I guess you can. I'm happy to do them is what I mean. Are they not allowed to take photos or videos or anything? Because I know that a ton of comedians do corporate gigs, but you you don't hear tell of it. It's sort of like yeah. people doing voices in Japan. <laughs> That's so funny. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger energy drinks that have nicotine in them. Exactly. The one he promoted had nicotine in it, I remember, which I thought was very funny. No, it is. And even they always call it, like you'll see it on their calendar, like private event. <laughs> like Bill Burr, private event. Like you can't even come if you want to. I, I actually, it's a phenomenon. It's a unique thing. I, one of the things I love about comedy is you can never – master it. You feel like I didn't really get nervous. I had my set list. I was ready to go. I'm in the room eating eating fucking room service or whatever. And then I went out and and it went it went very well, but like you're also kind of like yeah, you can, you're never bulletproof. You'll tell I told you what, what was I'm trying to think of a joke that didn't work. I have an old old joke and a lot of times I'll do old old jokes because I was much cleaner when I started. Mm-hmm. So I did my joke where I go, I'm not racist, but do you think at the very first meeting of the KKK anyone pushed for the correct spelling of clan? <laughs> it's just a one-liner, right? And it's, it's one of my favorite jokes to do, and then I acted out a guy with a torch and overalls and no shirt just being really bugged by the bad spelling. <laughs> like he hates everybody, but he really hates bad spelling. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Even more. <laughs> so I said that. They didn't laugh at all. It, and it was crazy because it was kill, 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 that line, and then they took off. And then I was like, I think I know what happened here. You heard the words racist. You heard the word KKK or the term KKK and you guys were like, I'm surrounded by my contemporaries. I'm going to sit this one out. 
It's better. These are people – these are like real people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Real successful people, not like comedy successful people. Uh, in comedy, the bigger you get, the more you're kind of like, I can say whatever. You know, like Carol. Eh, he does whatever he wants. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? Corporate world, the bigger you get, the, the lighter your khakis get and the more you're kind of like – you start to become – this is my interpretation – a little bit like, you know, Diane at HR might have something to say about that. You know what I mean? Right. You have more to lose. Wait. Light khakis like you start wearing lighter color pants or yeah, you yeah, just yeah. have thin pants? Oh, I love that. I think both a little bit. Actually, <laughs> I think because get, it's a move get... towards seersucker. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, that's how you know who's in charge. Right. The guy that's wearing a seersucker suit, you're like, oh, this guy owns the whole goddamn exactly. thing. Exactly. But you know, you get like a white, a white khaki. That's how you know you're really up there. But anyway, I don't mean to, I don't mean to shit on it. It is an interesting phenomenon. I think it's interesting that you got clubs where you're kind of like you can say anything. You got colleges where you can actually say a little bit less. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm learning as I get older. They don't give a shit about this, this, or this, these topics. Um, and then and then corporates are certainly the most restraining, which is why a lot of a lot of people don't do them. How do you feel about uh, like what level of restraint do you have to uh, adhere to on your show? See, that's what's crazy is on the show, we didn't do it at all. That was, that was like something that I really took a lot of For anyone who's under a rock, the Pete Holmes show. The Pete Holmes show. Yeah, oh, well. Which I, comes on after Conan. Yeah, well, thank you. And it'll be back February 24th. The crazy thing about that show and what, what contributed to the paradise level of, of utopia that I felt at that show was that we could say anything. Yes, you I, really say shit a lot. We say shit it's, a lot. And it, the thing is, it's weird how much... And this is not – I think it's neat. Please. I'm surprised Speak I use the word freely. neat so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> neat is edgy. your shit. Yeah, exactly. I say shit, you say neat. It's weird how much I notice it though when I'm watching the show and I don't know if that's just because I'm still – because in real life, I don't notice any bad words. Sure. You know? I don't know if it's just still novel to hear it on television. I'm glad that it is. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no, go ahead. I'm glad that it's novel. I'm glad that there's something that's kind of like – even like Bill Maher, you know, he's on HBO. He could swear a lot mm-hmm. and he doesn't. And I really enjoy swearing. It's like a fun thing for me to do. I spent so much of my life not doing it for religious reasons. I like didn't swear. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's now, pent up. And then, yeah, it's, it's all these – it's this backlog of shits and fucks that I want to let right. out. But it's also just kind of like – if there's anything we can do that helps the show stand out a little bit, I want to do it. Even if it's wear orange pants or <laughs> did uh, you you caught a lot of shit about the orange pants? I right? know, yeah, uh, and and green pants and uh, light blue Homer Simpson pants. Mm-hmm. I mean, it that was a conversation with TBS where they were like, "We need to talk about your clothes. Everybody's ripping on them." And I was <laughs> like, "No, that, that's what I want them to do. I want if you're, a, I'm trying to create a great show uh, for uh, for the guest. And if you can come on and know, if all else fails, I'll just make fun of what he's wearing. Oh, your pants are an icebreaker. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> it's like a conversation piece. I'm wearing a, a ship in a bottle, basically. <laughs> so wow. it's, yeah. it's nice that you're sacri- will- willing to sacrifice yourself in that way. Not really. I just like the attention, even if it's even if it's mock negative. You know what I mean? It's like a fun thing to kind of. But like, like, do you put your play. outfits together? Nope. In fact, that was one of the fun things. Is, is uh, you know, but you have someone selecting pants that TBS doesn't enjoy. No, they enjoy them. They just took it. They. I, it's my understanding that they were kind of concerned that maybe it was like drawing a lot of focus and it was coming up a lot that people were making fun of it. And then they – I think TBS is wonderful. And I also think they're like maybe even a little protective. They're like, should we dress you a little differently so you don't get this sort of flack? And I was like, uh, no, because we got a lot of people from Conan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Conan, uh, our, Scott, our, our wardrobe person. O'Brien. 
Scott O'Brien. No, I mean Conan O'Brien. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Conan O'Brien. Okay. Yeah, we got to use a lot of his uh, a lot of his people, a lot of his camera people, and then his wardrobe person as well, one of his wardrobe people. And, um, you know, this isn't a fault of Conan, but Conan has figured out what he likes. He likes wearing, like, a power blue shirt. He changes the tie. He never wears a tie the same – Same. he never wears it twice. Wow. I never, I what, ha- what does he do with the cast-offs? It's a good question. Knowing him, there's, like, needy children somewhere with some gorgeous ties. <laughs> he's just got such a big Irish, uh, like, kind of Catholic heart yeah. that he just loves giving stuff he's away. he's compelled to give them ties when what they need is food. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you can use the food to make like a like a like a slingshot sort of thing right. and kill a squirrel, and then that's True. Thanksgiving to your people. Resourceful, yeah, resourceful. The Thai food, the Thai uh, community appreciates <laughs> that. I um, mm, so when I came in, I got to say to these people who uh, it's not that they're tired of doing the same thing. It's like I'm like you can put me in whatever you want. So that became like a fun. I think that I know that became something fun mm-hmm. for them. I was like, I'll wear whatever you want me to wear. And I did. I has there been any, has any outfit given you pause? Yeah, there were a couple that I said I'm not. I don't want to wear this. But we had we got to a, a similar taste. There were a couple jackets that I was like, this is a little weird. But for the most part, if I were if, they choosing like Mr. Furley stuff or something? Was I mean, Mr. Furley from Three's Company? Oh, or Mr. Roper? Who was the one who wore more outrageous clothes? I don't know any of these shows. You don't know Three's Company, even though people say you look like I know John Ritter. I should watch it. Well, it's not important. My, my question is, <laughs> the reason that you weren't sure about the jackets, was it because this show's about fashion now? Yeah, was no, it because I know. It's fine. they were too outrageous? This is what girls do. We, we gab. I'm like a lady. I love gabbing about clothes. <laughs> I love that you love that, but it. I'm not like a lady in that way. No, but I, br- right now I bring I am. out the lady in you. It's wonderful. You do. Yeah. You feminize me. I do. I How take funny. that edge off. How weird. Man, I put it back on. <laughs> Allison. Eh. That's so, <laughs> but the question about the jackets, yeah. you did you were unsure of them because they were like too out there or? Yeah, some of them, I'm trying to think, some of them would be like a little bit, if I had a problem with anything, it was because it looked a little bit too cool. Like maybe too many zippers or looked fatigued, had like an army vibe like or something. Like it was too hip. Yeah, too hip is Are the you, word. Right. Because I, I. I would rather them put me in something dorky than something hip. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, the the clothing is noticeable. And, but now that you say it, like some of the. The funniest moments from the show, you're right, the clothes were, you know, the yeah. genesis of the joke. Like, my, one of my favorite lines was when Anthony Jeselnik said that you'll get like CEO of a pumpkin patch. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's hilarious. Now, we have, now we're cooking with something, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you don't see people, and this is not bad, I'm happy about this, you don't see people go on Conan and make fun of Conan, really. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe very lightly. But there's so much reverence there. When I do Conan, I, I, ha- I sometimes make fun of him because I, I, I think that's funny. Like I'm making fun of Corolla. I told you that it's when I go, mm. it's always fun to me to make fun of the person you're not supposed to make fun of. That's always going to be a thrill for me. But like even, you know, Kimmel or, or Fallon, nobody wants to like take the piss out of these, out of these guys mm-hmm. because that's, that's the American talk show thing. But I, I always get this name wrong. Ah, and I shouldn't. It's so embarrassing, and I and I, and I overthink it. It's one of the early uh, late night hosts. I want to say Jack Benny, Parr, Jack Parr. There is someone named that. Um, I'm looking to the research Jack department. Benny. 
Jack Benny? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's Jack Benny. I'm so glad I was right just because I'm supposed to know. You know what I mean? Well, like now I'm, you have to, yeah. I'm supposed to be like, oh, yeah, I'm an expert in late night all of a sudden. <laughs> I believe it's Jack Benny that like got uh, a lot of his friends and his guests to make fun of him, specifically how cheap he was, if I'm getting this correctly. Yeah, that is. I think that is Jack okay, Benny. Okay, good. Jack yeah, Benny. He was, that's what he was Everyone made fun of him for being cheap. Obviously, in real life, he wasn't really cheap, but it was mm-hmm. like a fun thing to do. And I was like, let's, let's take the host down a notch. John Stewart, can you imagine if yeah. someone made fun of John Stewart, you just wouldn't do it. I think Jack Benny, I think it, that was the joke where it was like your money or your life. I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah. Exactly. So, I um, just think that that's a fun thing. I, I wanted to bring some stupidity back to the host. Like I, I, I don't want to edit it out or, or, or smooth the edges if I don't know something. I said many times in interviews, I was just like, why, why is the host supposed to be like infallible? Why is he supposed to be like a mm. spokesperson for whatever he's talking about or a genius or have read every book? Like what if I'm just like I haven't read the book? Let's talk. I didn't right. read it. Like, Yeah, it's so interesting because a fallible host is Colbert, but that's a character. Yeah, there you go. I think that's, that's very smart. I think that's very interesting. So we're trying to just – and I, honestly, it's kind of the only thing I can do. It's just be myself. And myself is very – there's a lot of vulnerability I think there. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like, yeah, make fun of the clothes. And make fun of me maybe not knowing something. Because the clothes are very – this is the last thing I'm going to say about the clothes. Different than what you wear in real life though, right? Yeah, no. I wear very muted. Some, somebody well, you, was like, you are you colorblind? Pretty... <laughs> somebody said that to me recently. They're like, are you colorblind? Not because I wear like mismatching things uh-huh. but because I wear a lot of like dark – I'm wearing a black T-shirt, a black jacket and dark jeans. You know what I mean? Just because I'm like – I'm in favor of that because I'm tired of people trying to shove right clothes up my ass. That's <laughs> not how you wear them first of all. Not up the ass, on no. the ass. Right. I, um, I, yeah, because but no, but you have sort of a hip style in real life. Oh, I like where this podcast is going. <laughs> you really are my new best friend. And yeah. I was the first one, so I, I got mm-hmm. first dibs on you. I know that you have not always had this hip style. Oh, do, I, <laughs> I suspect. How, how do you know that? Because um, I saw you perform in New York years ago. <laughs> was I wearing, as Mulaney said, billowing khakis? I can't. You said I looked like a divorced man before I got divorced. <laughs> New Balance shoes, billowing khakis. I can't remember. I think probably. Mm-hmm. I had a real college <laughs> t-shirt right. problem too. Because I like you do a college and they give you a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. I've t- I've since taken that out of my rider. So, but I used to just exclusively wear shirts from schools so I had performed at. You may have been. Would you have worn like a button-down shirt? Yeah, but like ill-fitting. It was it was like a work. Uh, um, what do they call it? A, not a work when people like not a workshop, but a thing. A special – like a perf- industry thing. Showcase. Uh-huh. I think it was like a showcase at Ars Nova for Generate. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I would have probably what thrown you on – Yeah. I probably would have thrown on some sort of – you know what's interesting is I was just hanging out – my brother – I was thinking about this today. My brother made these really funny T-shirts. I think they're called Dr. Holmes. Like that's, that's like kind of his producer rap name, Dr. <laughs> Holmes. Uh-huh. Uh, and T-shirts. You might be able to look them up. But he gave me one and I remember he like just assumed I wanted like a triple XL or something. There was this weird thing <laughs> in Lexington when I was like in high school that we all wore like – we thought it was really cool to wear like saggier drawers, mm-hmm. like boxers coming out, huge T-shirts and stuff. I was just like this is like so – such a such a rebellion against what we probably quote unquote should have been wearing, right. which was like tight polos. You know what I mean? But uh, then then at a certain point, actually after my divorce, um, so I was dressing very badly, <laughs> as you saw, and as Mulaney made fun of me. I wasn't saying you were. Poor. 
poorly dressed. I'm just saying I, I feel like you have come into your own style-wise, perhaps. I appreciate that. I only took it as a compliment. Okay. I'm, I'm looking back on that time, and I'm being like, that was not good. Mm-hmm. That was not good. And, I, you know, I was recently talking to uh, another woman uh, about a friend of ours. Uh, and she was. We were talking about how is this guy single kind of thing. He's maybe in his late thirties, uh, good looking guy. And the second thing she said was dresses well. You know what I mean? She's like, how is he single? Good looking, dresses well. And I was like, that's something that like. And I, I'm not talking about like designer stuff. You can mm-hmm. just dress well. Like there's like a couple things that people can do. And I actually got lucky because you know when you're on TV, people start dressing you. Not on my show, but like little VH1 things. And stuff, and then I met some stylists and stuff, and they were just like, "Just go get these like five, six things, and and you'll be in business." And and a, a big thing was dark, dark pants. Like a, those are in, and they mm-hmm. have been for a long time. I was exclusively wearing pants that looked like like light blue, like I should be picking pumpkins, you know what I mean, <laughs> or blueberries, you know what I mean, just like doing some sort of uh, you know sun work, <laughs> work in the sun. Right. They were like, just get a darker pair of pants and. Uh, Stop wearing, you know, Steve Carell's New Balance shoes from Crazy Stupid Love. See, I want all of this not to matter, though. I want to live in a world where none of that matters, even though I know just that's Just wear totally... robes and stuff? Yeah, I just want it always to be what's... I know this is completely unrealistic, but I just... It feels better to me, the idea that it's really just what's on the inside that counts. Sure. But you know what's interesting to me is that what's on the outside is often a reflection of what's on the inside. It True. So that's why when Mulaney says you dressed like you were divorced, that's true. Uh, I was talking today about somebody and I, we were talking about somebody that we really want uh, their, them to get their shit together. And I was like, I think about them sometimes and I think about them uh, thinner and tan. And then he goes, oh, just happy. I just want them to be happy. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's why I said thin and tan. Like, not everybody, don't get me wrong, especially in Los Angeles, a lot of tin, uh, tan, <laughs> tan, thin, miserable, shallow, sure. empty people. But then there's also people that, like, when they're doing well inside, it starts to show on mm-hmm. the outside. That That's the, you know, the stereotype. You just went through a breakup. You're going to wear sweatpants for two months. You know what I mean? Right. With, like, weird stains on them. That's fine. And then there's, then there's a, a time when you start looking a little bit better. But I'm with you. I don't – but – Okay, so you're saying I dress okay. I've worn this jacket every day this week, and I've worn these pants every day this week. So that is almost no effort. Yeah, why mix it up? It works. The, but that's what I'm <laughs> saying. I really appreciate that. You might change the shoes based on mood. I uh-huh. have a couple different pairs of uh, sneakers. If I'm wearing my blue sneaks, you know I'm in a good mood. Like, <laughs> OP woke up perky this morning. Uh, black, this is standard. These slip on real good because uh, I was at the airport today. Uh, and then, and then th- there's zero thought going into this, mm-hmm. and then you just switch up. The T-shirt. So I guess what we're saying is it doesn't doesn't need to be an indication that you have like a huge closet where you're mixing and laying things out on the bed like Kanye. No, you just got to choose the thing you like and then keep (laughs) then keep moving. Yeah. There you go. So people don't see you. Find one thing. And then just be itinerant. But I, I, I see dads and stuff at the airport. Like, I just don't want that. When does that happen? The part where you give up? The part where you give up. Yeah. And moms, too. Like, that mom jean sketch was so funny. Mm-hmm. But really what they're touching on is something kind of sad, is the loss of your sex appeal. Yeah. Like, I would like to be one of those couples that you're like, oh, they're still fucking. You know what I mean? And, like, they dress like they want uh, to be attractive, to, not just to their partner, but just in general. You know what I mean? I think that's an underrated uh, phenomenon is like casual flirting that's not going to go anywhere. You know what I with, mean? With with not the person you're with. With not not necessarily. Right. And I don't even mean co- overt, 
obvious, like, hey, sweetheart, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, like, just a little glint in your eye when you're going to the dentist and his mm-hmm. receptionist notices that you're a sharp-dressed uh, person that combed his hair that morning. That makes you feel good. That well, yeah, there are the, those days where you're like, I really have it today. That's right. You're like, everyone is falling under my spell. And, that, and you just kind of glide through your day. Like, yeah. those are good days. That's a good day. And then you bring it home to your partner. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm actually kind of uncomfortable growing up in a family where my father flirted way too much with every waitress that ever waited on us. How did your mom react to that? She'd get liquored up. This was like a <laughs> terrible – I'm thinking about when I was little. I, I'm exaggerating a little bit. And my Wait, father, are your – are your parents together? Yeah, unfortunately. Okay. They're still together. It's so it's such a nightmare. <laughs> I'm teasing. But back in the day, uh, it was never, never even a million miles away was the idea of my father actually fucking the waitress. Mm. But it was a lot of like the same jokes. He was like an old man when he was a young man. You know right. what I mean? He likes making all these jokes. He, and I well, found sometimes out, it's the appeal of a fresh audience because your whole family groans at this joke. Yep. That's exactly right. My father was yearning for a waitress in the way that I enjoy a good audience. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, you know, I have his DNA. Right. So I, I just tell the jokes to, you know, paying people. <laughs> and he told them to, like, perky waitresses. <laughs> so going back to the fact that your show just got picked up. Yeah. Was there any doubt, though? Yeah, of course there was. You know, it's, it's interesting when things go well. And I really didn't uh, pay attention to the ratings um, just because I – I try and control what I can control. You know what I mean? And I can't really control the ratings. I guess you Did could. Did that take a discipline to not pay attention to it? No, I found it quite easy, actually. Really? I didn't watch the show. And uh, once I was done with the show, I was done with the show. I would watch it in cuts. You know what I mean? But then I didn't go home and like watch it or uh, live tweet it. I was often in bed, to mm-hmm. be honest. We were starting work at like 7 in the morning some days to shoot. So I would go to bed. But, uh, you know, so I didn't, I didn't always watch the show or I will watch it online the next day. But, like, I, I kind of tried to distance myself a little bit. And that's something Conan said. He was like, do the show. He's like, you can be in control of, like, 70% of it and 30% you're going to have to let go and let other people edit it, let other people put the music together and all that sort of stuff. So control what you can control. I couldn't control the ratings. I knew uh, – we had a funny thing. We made the pilot and everybody was like – we're going to hear immediately. Your your phone is going to ring immediately. Like people in the know who don't exaggerate were like, that's such a good pilot. It's going to go. We're going to hear soon. We're going to be on soon. Then it was a year later. You know what I mean? A year. An Amer- I didn't realize it was that. It was an American year <laughs> later. I was wow. in, I was in a, a – A full 12. Yeah, a full 12 months. A hard 12. <laughs> and, I, and I was in a, 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 a Thai restaurant on Valentine's Day alone. Uh, in Canada eating when I got the call. And by that point, it had been so long that the feeling had almost been like scrubbed out of it. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, I just wanted relief kind of either way because walking around with that uncertainty is, is hard on you. I figured out that this is what they pay you for. When you look at like a, a TV salary, you're, you're, it's not the show. You know it's what the I mean? abuse? It's, it's the waiting. It's the uncertainty. It's, yeah. For lack of a better word, it's, it's things like abuse. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think anybody deliberately abused me. But like, but is, it, is there also an element of perhaps you weren't like overjoyed when you got the news because it feels like, you, like you've almost been sort of like strung along for so long? You, yeah. There's a little bit of like – animosity is too strong, but like, like I, I sometimes think that in Hollywood – like I remember – sorry, jumping around. Please. I remember Sandra Bullock 
gave some acceptance speech where she was there's something she said about like into the people who don't like me or some something to that effect like sorry but i'm still here and i was like oh, who yeah. the hell doesn't like you you are america's sweetheart yeah. and but then with the realization that but everyone in the public eye has haters and da 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 yeah, and yeah. she's there's probably been a zillion roles that we don't know about that she didn't get and yep. just at a certain point in this industry when you have success there's so there can be so much resentment built up. Yeah. That you, fe- you know, everyone thinks that you're on top of the world, but you feel like so many people didn't believe in me. Right. And- I, I'm always, I'm always wondering where is the we did it moment. When, when's the moment on the beach where you kind of do the, the <laughs> slow ride, motion, yeah. punch into the air and spin, and it doesn't really happen. Like if you were to make a right. movie of the last two years of my life, you, we would script those moments. Would would change it from the Valentine's Day alone in Vancouver thing. And and would make it something much better with champagne and 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 celebrate good time, you know, playing. <laughs> but you know what it is is I I think you put it so well is that the things that we build up to thicken our skin. I, I look at it like cobblestones, and we're building this little turret mm-hmm. to like live in that fits just us. And the trick of show business, the trick of really any business, one of the tricks of life, I think, is to put up enough cobblestones to pr- protect yourself from some of the unimaginable crippling agony and despair that if you got a, a real strong dose right to your heart, you might quit. So you got to yeah. have some protection. But once you start building the wall too high, this is kind of a cliche, but you also start to block out the good stuff too. So you can't feel people are sh- shooting joy arrows at you and they're bouncing off the wall as well. And next thing you know, you're just a jaded person and the only thing right. left you have is that you're like, at least I have a private jet. You know what I mean? And and then, you know, that's not a good life. You don't mm-hmm. want that. So you want to be somewhat vulnerable. But, you know, to do stand-up, to put yourself out in any capacity, you have to get to a point. You're always tweaking those levels. How vulnerable can I be to remain a human and to remain like – experiencing life as it's supposed to be and uh, and also impenetrable enough to, to stick with it. Mm-hmm. So then it was a year from the pilot and then we – So then when yeah. – sorry to clear up. But Please. when we were talking about your show at my live show, yep. which was a year ago, August or something, mm. had you just done the pilot? I don't remember. I feel like – No, you were just about to start shooting – Yeah. Like after the pilot, like you, you were you were ramping up to start production or pre-production. That on sounds right. What we saw. That sounds right. Last year. Yeah, my math. My, I don't remember when I shot the pilot though. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so it was a full year in between though, and the you whole were thing just to, was your life on hold basically. Yeah, there's been a lot of life on hold stuff, mm-hmm. and then and then it, I likened it to being in love. You, you fall in love with somebody real hard. And then you're supposed to like go on these other dates, you know what I mean? And you and she has your number, but you don't have her number, mm. so you're waiting for her to call. And then the other dates are other projects. And boo fucking who, I have to go out and like do stand up or whatever. But like you, all you really want to do is get back to that happy place. So I think all told, from pitching the pilot to making the pilot, that was six months, and then to hearing was a year to actually start making it. So all told, it was a year and a half the whole process. And then, so this is going back to answer your question. Then we do the show. We're on for seven weeks, and then uh, and then it goes well. And this time, people were a little bit more like, "Look, it's it went well. Everybody feels really good." But nobody wanted to be like, "Your phone's going to ring," because we kind of learned you got to you got to play it cool, play mm-hmm. it cool. But we also knew that there's momentum now. It was on the air. We can't be off the air for too too long. People have pretty short memories; they'll forget it. But uh, then I started to get in my mind that because it was looking so good and every once in a while I get like a secret nod, you know, <laughs> from somebody that would be like, you know, off the record, don't – it's going to be okay. 
uh, Conan was always just like, look, it looks good, but who better than me knows that things can go sideways yeah. at any moment. So don't celebrate. We never did. I wouldn't even write down a sketch idea or a joke idea because it felt like you, – You're jinxing it. I didn't want to jinx right. it. Right. So then when we did get the news, it was a relief – because I thought it might be one of those show business stories, and there's so many of them where it's like, it's going great. It's going great. Everybody says yes. Everybody says yes. I've heard stories where people were told that a show is coming back straight up, and then it doesn't come mm-hmm. back. Or you're Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future. You know what I mean? And you shoot for two months, and then you're recast with a guy who was, you know, could only shoot at night. And that was, you know, I didn't Michael know J. that. Fox. Yeah, Eric Stoltz shot – Marty McFly role for a couple months. I did not know that. And they were like, it's not working. And they recast it. So uh, it's one of those things where you're like, it's all nothing till it's something. It seems like everyone has a writer's strike. Not, I don't. Sure. But I know so many people have a writer's strike story of like, you know, oh yeah, like everyone was into it and da 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 Like everything died. Like the writer's strike was like a freeze that went over everything. Yeah. And nothing came back for some reason. Yeah, that's right. I've, I've heard that too where they're like, oh, that show was uh, bulletproof and going to go and then the strike and then this and that. People, people yeah. can blame a lot of things. And you never know. You never know. I, it's just like when something looks so good, you don't want to last action hero it. You know what I mean? Like the the p- publicity is so great and Schwarzenegger couldn't be bigger and then no one went and saw it. You know what I mean? I, I still remember the McDonald's Happy Meal for last action hero. <laughs> so anyway, we didn't want to ca- count anything before it hatched. So we'll, then when we got the news, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was, of course, very good. So you, um, your opening monologue is not topical. Yes. Tell me about that. I... Um, I, I just feel like, first of all, we had to shoot all our episodes in five weeks, uh, which meant the most topical we could get was like a holiday or like daylight savings time or, or these things that were happening. Uh, so we couldn't really go to the news. We weren't day and date. Um, eventually, you know, if we're on long enough, we would maybe go there, maybe start going to a place mm-hmm. where we could use the news as a jumping off point to talk about whatever. But I, I, I watch so many of these late night shows and I love them, but I don't I didn't think there was necessarily a need for another guy with his crack, uh, his his take on the news. Because I, I had this moment where I was on an airplane and I love Fallon. I'm not shitting on Fallon in the least. I think he's fantastic. But I was somebody was watching him on the you know, a little screen seat next to me and I and the sound so I couldn't hear it. But I knew what was happening. You know what I mean? Like it's such a format right. that oh he, here's the setup, there's the punchline. You know what I mean? And it, and it's tried and true, and there's a wonderful comfort to that, and it's good entertainment. I'm not saying anything bad about those shows, but I was like, we being these underdogs, being these midnight uh, uh, TBS, you know, basic cable guys. I was like, if there's one thing we can do to stand out, other than saying motherfucker all the time. It could be let's make the the monologue for as long as we can a non-topical little sliver of new stand-up basically. So if we wanted to do – I think my favorite monologue of the first 28 and the, and the goal – sorry to sidetrack. The goal of the okay. first 28 was to really introduce me. So we wanted every monologue to kind of be about who I was on some level. That would win points. Is it informative to either my perspective or my life? And I think my favorite one that we did was – uh, one about how I owned up to the responsibility I had in my own divorce. <laughs> and I think my favorite line was I said, oh, yeah, another late night host doing a monologue about his fault in his own divorce. And then I, <laughs> and then I yelled, they did it on Kimmel. Right? <laughs> uh, but that that idea of 
let's take something that everybody is familiar with and then try and surprise them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Instead of showing them how well I can also cook this very difficult dish, what if we're just like fuck everything and, and just give them sweet potato french fries? You know, <laughs> sweet potato french fries? What am I, a foreign exchange student? I'll have sweet potato french fries. Those are our thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess they don't say french fries. You could just say, say fries. Right, right. They really blew it. But yeah, that I think that was my my biggest uh, fear uh, was that we wouldn't be able to do it. Um, but then the writers really towards the end, especially wouldn't be able to do it because you would begin running out of things. Yeah, or... start running out of things. That's everybody's right. concern. Is they're like, you know, even Conan has kind of hinted at the idea that that is not something you can do forever. What has he said? He's like he, – he'll say something like, I'm curious to see how long you can do that before you have to start going to something topical. This is a man a who's done it hint. for – Yeah, he, but he's done it for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So he knows for however many hundreds of hours of television right. and monologues alone, hundreds of hours of monologues, he knows the idea of day in and day out. So, you know, we're a new show and we're still going to do that. But, you know, there are people that do similar things. Ferguson, Ellen kind of do things that are a little bit their own uh, speed – and and it was just so liberating for me as also one of the writers of the show, of course, to just be like, we could do it about anything. I was hanging out with Joe DeRosa, who's a good friend of mine, and he's one of the writers on the show. And he was like, Holmes, I was at the movie theater the other day, and the guy got an old guy ripping the tickets. I was like, that's a monologue. <laughs> he goes, old guy jobs. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. Old guy jobs. I love a show where we can get in a room and we just talk. At the beginning of the day, we would just talk. It was one of those things like don't look directly at it. We all knew what we were kind of trying to do, which mm-hmm. was come up with a monologue idea. But we're trying to mask it, almost like a, a religious ceremony. <laughs> don't look right at it. We're just chatting. We're just chatting. And then I would at some point go, that's something. Or someone else would go, that's something. Mm-hmm. Something like old man jobs and go, let's write old man jobs. And then we start writing about old man jobs. And then actually Joe and I talked about it and we're like, they're very similar to young man jobs. Like your first job is very similar My to what could be My friend's dad weirdly worked at TJ Maxx. Chris worked at TJ Maxx. Yeah. <laughs> sure did. When he was young. TJ Maxx. Get the max for the minimum. But that's what I'm saying. So maybe the monologue in a further discussion could go away from old man jobs and just become something about how life is cyclical, how what we start out doing is what we end up doing. Or, you know, maybe it'll just be about old guys, like the kind of old guy I want to be. When when you're a new show and no one – this is something that Dimitri Martin told me. He said – is that a name drop? He's not that f- um, – I mean he's famous but he's not but, like – But it's it's a name drop but it's not um, obnoxious. OK, good. Yeah. Brad Pitt told me that Dimitri <laughs> – now, now you've achieved obnoxiousness. <laughs> he said anonymity is power. He told me that when we were hanging out at the Comedy Cellar where I, I've never performed but he and I were just hanging That's out That's kind there. of a name drop. The Comedy Cellar? When we were hanging out at the Comedy Cellar. Yeah, that name drop – that had more of a the name club- drop effect That's than Dimitri Martin. You know why I feel the same way? Yeah, that's why. Because that place is still intimidating to me. Right. Uh, and it was even more so then. And I, I never performed there, but he wanted to go there, and I wanted to hang out wherever he was going. I was handing out flyers for the Boston Comedy Club, which was near the cellar, and then we went in and we just talked. And he – it was just one of those pivotal moments for me. He was talking about how when people know what and who you are, you have to kind of live up to that. Or people will be like, he's really breaking away from what he used to be. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. So he was like, I'm this one-liner guy, and I do this, and I have the guitar, and I have the harmonica or whatever. He was like, you're an open micer, basically, and you can do whatever you want. And I was like, holy shit, he's right. Similarly with the TV show, 
now there's a little bit of a precedent to continue doing what we're doing. But what we're doing is just figuring it out in front of people because I really want everybody to feel like, oh, this is a show that we were involved in because we are listening to things that people like, not like reviews or tweets necessarily, but what's working? What are, what are people like retweeting? And, mm-hmm. and I, you know what I mean by the difference between like a comment like you yes. suck or retweeting it? What went viral? Uh, what did people enjoy? What killed in the studio? I imagine Wash My Damn Towels <laughs> is pretty popular. It is. It's not It's not huge. But when really? People, it's one of my faves. When, oh, Just, I, it's so absurd. I and, love that you even know what it is. It's so nice. I'm a fan. I really appreciate that. It's, I'll tell you what Wash My Damn Towels means to me. Wash My Damn Towels is a bet we do about how whenever I'm in a hotel, which is true, they have the sign that says, be green and reuse your towel. And then I point out a way that the hotel's not being green. And then I go, how about this? Wash My Damn Towels. But then there's like a dance and there's, and there's dancing, <laughs> lights. And... and the boys come out yeah. for the Wash My Damn Towels. How, yes. How did all of that come about? All the dancing and stuff? Just the whole thing. Like, did it start as... Yeah, how how did the idea come about and the and the See, way it played out? It's great because I wanted to tell you that uh, anyway because it's such a weird idea. You're like, stop interrupting me. I was going there anyway. No, no, no. In fact, I'm like, God, I, I'm talking so much because I haven't talked to anybody. Today. This is the the point of this is for you to talk a lot though. Oh, so okay. Keep, keep Unlike going. my own podcast where I talk this much as well, and then they're like, I can't wait to hear from the guest at one point, and I'm like, shut up. Uh, no, I actually hope to learn to let the guest talk more. Anyway. I, I did wash my damn towels as a – I think it might have been a tweet a long time ago. I took a picture of it and then after that – because the truth of that bit is um, I respond like Monique. I respond like uh, a, like a comic view comedian. Not necessarily a black comedian because they have white guys on there too. Mm-hmm. But it's a style the, of like – catchphrase. Mm-hmm, and like <laughs> – and a sass. How about this? <laughs> Wash my damn towels. You know what I mean? And like saying it over and over uh. is so fun. And being kind of like this button up, boring white guy, I was like uh, talking about on the podcast how envious I am of how fun it looks to be like hamburger. You know, hamburger? Mm-hmm. Hamburger, and I'm not going to have it. He, that's like his, yeah, his little catchphrase. You're right. You say it the way a sassy woman would say that's it. That's what it is. And, I, and so I start trying to do it as stand up. That's kind of how Proops talks. Hey, Ken. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I know what you mean because it's fun. It's like a fun time at the movies. So I was like, where is the home of this joke? And that's one of the my favorite things about this show is we can we can manufacture it because I started trying to do it in my stand-up. Uh, I had talked about it on the podcast, so I did it on the podcast. And every once in a while, someone in the crowd would yell out, wash my damn towels, and I would try and do it. And I would say – Whenever I see that sign, I always – sometimes I would just be completely honest and be like, I respond like a sassy black woman. <laughs> People would often back away from that. They just don't know. Race is Is he making fun of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, is he mocking it? Really, I'm being completely honest. I'm trying it on and enjoying it. There's no judgment. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying what a fun style of joke to do that I actually really do enjoy. I think Hamburger and all those guys are, <laughs> are really funny. So um, – I started doing it as stand-up, and it just wasn't working. Every once in a while, a crowd that really was familiar with the podcast would enjoy it. But for the most part, people were like, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> so now then you get a, t- uh, a TV show, and one of my first thoughts is I'm like, oh, my God, I think we can find a way to do Wash My Damn Towels. Because instead of me just going, dan, 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 which is what I used to do, <laughs> uh-huh. we can actually play music. We can actually have the lights go crazy. And it'll give people this nice, like – understanding of the tone we're going for that a single man with a microphone can't necessarily communicate. So 
the, the show became this catch-all. I'm a big believer in that type of recycling. A lot of the doctor sketches we did were New Yorker cartoons that I drew that didn't get bought. Mm-hmm. So I was like, fine, we'll, tur- we'll turn it into something else. Wash My Damn Towels isn't good stand-up. Fine, we'll do it on the show. When you first explained how you saw it going, were people like, what? You know, that's a, what I try. That's sort of because I know what I know what packets look like. Yeah, and things like I mean, not really, but I sort of I sort of have an understanding of that. And just trying to imagine the that as it exists in the show versus someone trying to explain it or put yeah. it on paper. Well, that's what's really unfair about uh, writing submissions and trying to express yourself in a packet or even trying to express yourself in a meeting to write for a show. It's it's not a perfect science. You know what I mean? Something like Wash My Damn Towels is just the host, you know what I mean, kind of jerking off a little bit, being like, "This we're doing this. New material Seinfeld. We're doing this. You know what I mean? But I mean, when you explained that there were going to be lights and dancers, were people on board with it? Well, I mean – uh, for better or worse, they kind of have to be. <laughs> my my producer Oren, who's one of my best friends and just a genius, uh, liked it right away. He he wanted to play with the sound and the music, and he was uh, a big advocate in directing me in the stage bit too, where he was like, "You can't shy away from it. You need to do." for lack of a better term, a, a more urban voice. Again, I don't think it's a black thing because there are white guys. There, are, I've seen Asian guys do that type of thing. But you can't act like you're not doing it. Do it. Do it completely. Uh, so he, he's a big uh, co-author of the bit in that way too. But people – but more to the thing like I've read these packets. I was just watching this TED Talk. I think a lot of people have seen about introverts and extroverts. And they're talking about how introverts often will have a better idea – or, or uh, more knowledge, more uh, – just a better idea is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. A better idea than an extrovert who can sell a poor idea and that's often what people will go in, especially yeah. in this time and in this country. Um, so it can – that's not really great for comedy necessarily. Sometimes a writer might have a really great idea and he doesn't have a good way or a colorful way to pitch it. I used, when I was a TV writer, I used to get in the script all the time because I was able to perform it. I'd stand up and, and do a dance and people would laugh and then they'd put it in the script. Oftentimes it would get taken out of the script because by the time you got it to the stage, no one knew why it was ever funny in the first place. Mm. Isn't it? There's a Yeah, I heard that. I thought they were about happening. to talk to us. Um, isn't it? I think in this society there's actually no appreciation for the person that has the good idea but can't express it. I know. Like, it's you like just, worthless. You just get trampled. Yeah. It's just, yeah. oh, what a shame that you couldn't. Ex- couldn't execute or couldn't express yeah. it. We would rather have a guy with blind confidence that's yeah. just like doing a bit badly uh, than, we, you know, I don't know. Are you an introvert or I, an extrovert? It's so interesting. I was just going to be like, I have, I'm not sure. I, I think people would think that I'm an extrovert and I would think that I'm an extrovert. Like if you had to be like, which one are you? Because everybody is somewhere on the spectrum. But like, I don't like parties. I just started like, um, surfing, which is very like quiet and like just sitting on your board. You, there's a lot of autonomy to it. Like your friend will go and catch a wave and you'll just be sitting there for f- 20 minutes while he has to paddle back. And you're like, this is the fucking best. I love it. I very rarely had fun at a party. I go around feeling like people are like taking from me and I only have so much energy. I think that means you're an introvert. Well, those are my introverted qualities. Mm-hmm. But then that doesn't add up. What am I doing? Like I'm also right. compelled to get on stage and have people affirm things and and make a show. That's like a real yeah. need, and that if I don't get that, 
I, I don't function as well. Also, when I surf, uh, I'm bad at it, obviously. Um, but like I need someone to push me and I like that. That mm-hmm. like makes me feel seen and appreciated. That feels kind of like like I'm getting uh, energy given to me, kind of like an extroverted thing. When I stand up and everybody like cheers because I finally did it, that feels good for me too. So it's both. But what, I, are you, I, what kind of environment are you surfing in? The ocean, I presume, but who like where someone's pushed? Are you, do you take lessons or no? But the guys I go with have been surfing for many years. And you have and a crew. I got a crew or a tribe or whatever they call them. Yeah, yeah. Is that what it, I don't know what it is. I read a book called The Tribes of Palos Verdes a long time ago, but I don't know if they're actually called that or not or if it was – it was about surfers. I don't know. From what I can tell – first of all, it's barely surfing. It's mostly floating and falling. And I really lo- – what I love about surfing is if you fall, you're just doing another sport. You're just swimming. <laughs> if you fall when you're skiing, you're like an asshole with mm-hmm. a broken leg. You fall when you're surfing, you're like, this is great. I'm in the ocean and it's great. So I really like that. So there's actually two guys – uh, that I surf with, and they're really, really smart, and we have great conversations. So you get like, you get like five things rolled into one, which is like, you might get that maybe from golf or I don't know what people do, but like you're outside, you're getting the ocean, you're getting sun, you're getting social needs, and you're kind of like exerting yourself. So it's like a good day. You surf for two hours, and you're like, I did something today. Do you still do yoga? I haven't been doing it as much, no, because probably this probably – I kind of go hot and cold and then I got real hot into this and then I was doing yoga less. But I'd like to go back to Mm -hmm. it. You know why I don't want to go is because I'm afraid – I'm just not in the mood for someone to tell me what to do. (laughs) And now move into downward dog. I'm like, fuck you. I don't want to do this right now. You've changed. Yeah, I have changed. Now I'm just like, now the waves tell me when to go, bro. (laughs) I don't know. Um, How's your love life? Ping it and pong it, baby. Ping it and pong it. Is that about your love life or is that about this podcast? Just about the podcast okay. in general. Yeah. Which, li- by the way, I was so happy to see that line was on – you were on Marin. Yeah. And you said ping it and pong it. Oh, that's right. And, and you tweeted like, it to me, didn't you? Or I tweeted yeah, it to you? No, I think I asked you, did that come from – It did come from Yes. Because I thought, oh, wait, is this something he's been saying for years? No, no, no. But no. it came from – I know I know that betrayal yeah. where you find out like that funny joke that someone's been saying is actually a Simpsons line. You're like <laughs> – what the fuck? I thought that was our thing. And yeah. you see it on a TV show. Right. No, I said it as a reference uh-huh. to, to our episode, yeah, which was a lot of fun. My love life is good. I have love in my life. Uh, I'm not – I guess the, the short answer is that I'm a single man. Um, the longer answer is that I, I am seeing somebody, but it's long distance. Oh. So uh, she lives in Northern California. So I see her like every – Month and a half, two months. Um, but, you know, it's somebody that you can text and stuff. But it's also somebody that I'm aware that she sees other people and I see other people, which is new for me. I'll tell you that can go one of two ways. There's times where I'm like – I'm currently in a fuck that time where I'm just kind of like I, I would just rather be with her. I enjoy her. I'm in that like lovey place. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with her. That's just like my – Season, you know what I mean? I actually know exactly what you mean. Right? That's interesting that you can recognize it has nothing to do with her, though. It doesn't have anything to do with her. She's always great, but I'm just like, that's where I'm at right now. And then there are times when I'm like, it's a really great feature to have someone who, um, I remember I had sex uh, with somebody else, and we didn't, uh, unfortunately, we didn't use protection. Uh, we, We didn't at first, and then we did. You know what I mean? But there was time. We start. We started having sex, and then, and then someone put on was a like, condom. "Oh, yeah, 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 right." Like after you finished, because 
No, no, no. It was I kind know. of it was kind of mid, but like I mean, in that, right, right. You're still kind of like ah fuck. You know, the next mm-hmm. day you're kind of like it's just not responsible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. Because you hear this is the confession. The reason that I have taken the morning after pill, yeah, like more than once, yeah, is because you hear this sperm can jump across the room and climb up your vagina. That's scary. Those it's not even assholes. right. You hear? I don't think I don't. And I do not think it's time. true, though. I don't think it's true that people get pregnant from having sex without someone coming inside them. But you hear that it can happen. Oh, you don't believe in pre-cum? I don't. I don't know anyone who was born that way. They're pre-cum babies. You okay. can tell they're redheads. <laughs> <laughs> All redheads are pre-cum babies. You know, it's funny that you say that. I don't – there's a couple things I don't know. You want to talk about STDs? Uh, I don't think he'd mind – I know he wouldn't mind me saying. Joe DeRosa, <laughs> so fucking funny, goes to the doctor and declined the AIDS test. Uh, be, and he was like – and they were like, well, have you had unprotected sex? And he's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> a couple times? Yeah. What are you saying? I, I quote him on this all the time. He goes, how do you think I got AIDS? Through my urethra? <laughs> and he got the nurse to admit – that the only this, – this this may not be true. This is what I heard. No, this is what I – I'm of two minds about this too. One is is like the theoretical and one is actual – like how, how – just go ahead. OK. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like he, he got the nurse to admit that the only way he would have gotten uh, AIDS or HIV – HIV causes it. HIV. Yeah. Would be if he had an open wound on his dick and had sex with a woman who had HIV. Mm. Um all, it, 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 he was saying, as long as I don't come inside of her, because that's when the suction, I guess before, oh, really? before the dick ejaculates, it sucks in a little bit and then it shoots out. I don't even, I don't even know if that's true. We're, we're, by the way, everyone listening, look something up. Don't look play, place up. anything on what we're saying. Absolutely, I didn't think wear that, a condom. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But Joe, I just thought it was so funny, and he's been tested since. He he was right. He doesn't have it. I mean, happy to say. My understanding is again, look this up. I don't want to look it up. My understanding is that it's actually very, very rarely transmitted through vaginal sex. Well, the thing is. Well, you're right. Did you see Dallas Buyers Club? No, not yet. They talk about that. You're, you're looking at why, why does it happen uh, with gay sex? I'm not sure. Um, I think the, the person the skin receiving. Is thin back there. Yeah, I, there might be some tearing. And then the person receiving things is often the person mm-hmm. that will get it. Um, I think, again, we are not experts. This is not the doctor. <laughs> Dr. Oz podcast. Irresponsible AIDS chatter. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Carry here's, on. Here's what I will say. This is irresponsible. You do hear things like this. Jack Nicholson in Rolling Stone very famously was he, – he said AIDS is a gay disease. These are his words. Mm-hmm. He's like, and I love the gays, but you're going to tell me and Warren Beatty who have had sex with thousands of uh, women unprotected in the 70s and 80s and didn't get AIDS and you're not – and you're going to tell – now – that's his own personal experience, right? But uh, you know, it's people, interesting people though. Have it's gone a sample out and size of that. two, but that's interesting. Yeah, two guys doing the fucking of a, of a lot of guys. That's true. But I mean, are you? Did I? I would love to have been the interviewer and been like, "Do you think you've had sex with somebody with HIV?" And would you? Right. I mean, if you're going to say it's a gay disease, then would you have sex with a woman with HIV? I don't think you would. Absolutely not. And I, I keep saying this. Maybe it's me, like being in political show mode, but I'm like, wear a condom. You got to wear a condom. But this goes back to what I was telling you. Yeah. So you started to have sex, and then in the middle, so you I a condom. briefly had sex without a condom. 
And then I was like, uh, you know, we were both a little bit drunk. And I was like, ah, I get a condom, put on the condom, finish having sex. Uh, but that was enough to be like, I, I got to uh, get tested. You know what I mean? Um, because I do see this other girl. Mm-hmm. and You're so responsible. Well, am I? Or Yes. Okay. I mean. You know what's funny? Is I, I, well, I did, maybe, or maybe I dated a lot of assholes. I did have some friends uh, who I will Which not name true. that were like, if nothing's burning, you, you have nothing to worry about. Like, don't if you're not showing symptoms, why are you getting tested? I was like, well, this girl is coming. And, uh, you know, as it is with uh, relationships, you sometimes don't you know, have a person you don't use a condom with. So I'm like, if that's going to keep happening, I need to get tested. Mm-hmm. So she decided to kind of like surprise me and come down. And I was like, shit, I don't have enough time to get tested. Like I had already been tested, but the results weren't going to be in. The, what were you, were you getting tested for? The whole The whole gamut. What can they test for at this point? You know what's great is my my dick doctor doesn't swab up my urethra to test for gonorrhea, fellas. You ever get a urethra swab? No, thank God. Because they can do it off PP now, which is awesome. That's nice. Yeah, it's great. I don't want a so Q-tip on my dick. Gonorrhea. Amen. Amen. Also, a prostate exam is now yeah, that's not kind of... recommended anymore. Really? Yeah. That's an insurance company thing. I suspect. I've I've had one and it, it was worse than I thought it would be. Not the in and the out. The after. My ass was sore for like three weeks. I'm not kidding. Well, the I don't have, thing, I'm sorry, I'm I don't have like a really pain. tight asshole or anything. I think you might. Or he doesn't have like beefy fingers, but he went in and out and it didn't bother me at all. They lube it up. It's not a big deal. You know, like hold your breath or whatever you got to do. But like for weeks after, I would be doing my own podcast and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Did I fall on a broom? I didn't know what was going on Weird. with my asshole. That's the bad thing. But I just saw, I think it was in Esquire or something. They were like, that's not that's not requ- it's not even recommended anymore there's well a, once again to, to the listeners go look that up yeah look that up no it's not, the same not it's a the medical same. podcast no it's the same with pap smears they, they used to recommend them every whatever and now they're or, or maybe not or maybe mammograms or something like with with the screening they've a lot they've now like pulled back on how much they recommend it because what happens is this in the process of screening sometimes they'll pick something up that's not conclusive and then you have to do more tests and then ultimately you end up like doing surgery and then went just exploratory huh. and da da da. Yeah. I could go on. I could explain it better, but I didn't explain it very well. I haven't had a pap smear in, in years. That's fine. You don't need one. Let's talk about this for a second. But when he pulled his finger out, yeah, did you have that moment of like? Did I just did shit I, in yes. his hand? Uh, mal- I mean, not not that you did, I but just the feeling of something exiting your butt like that. Yeah, no, it feels exactly like a perfect finger-shaped shit that you just took and a clean break, too. You're like, I don't even have to wipe after that one. That yeah. was amazing. Uh, yeah, it does have that feeling. But Mulaney has that wonderful bit about getting a prostate exam. And he, in the bit, talks about thinking he had shit. So oh, right. <laughs> when the guy's coming out of him, yes. he goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> He says, I'm sorry. We had the same doctor at the time, so I even knew the guy. And I was like, I'm sorry. Uh, so I knew going in, uh, don't don't worry about it. You're not actually shitting a, a human finger. It's just a human finger exiting your butt. I really wish a, a finger in the butt did it for me, by the way. I'd like to say for the Did record. which one for you? Just was sexually interesting to me. It's not at all? No. I've been told I'm wrong. I, I have friends that are like, you got to give it another try or something. But I'm just like, I just... I don't know. It's interesting that they would insist that you have to give it another try. Well, there are some guys that say that the the, the prostate uh, – it's the prostate, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can uh, make no, it. the guys that are into this are into it to the point of trying to convert you. It's interesting yeah. that guys – They proselytize. That, 
They prostatalize. Okay. <laughs> See, it's interesting that you know guys like this because my hunch has always been more guys are into it than are willing to admit, but they're like afraid to admit it. Yeah, I, I, I was surprised too that these guys that I know were like, "No, you got to do it. You got to do." It. I, I have guys that do it to themselves and stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah. They're, I think they're – I don't know if they use toys, but there are toys. There's a market. Someone's yeah. buying these toys right. that perfectly stimulate yourself from the inside. Uh, you know, and life is long. Maybe I'll get there. But like right now, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know. It's not for me. But anyway, the, the punchline of that story is the girl's coming. And then like it was a really beautiful moment that I was just like – you know, normally you see somebody. It's a long-distance relationship. The first thing you do is have sex. You're not even going to like talk. You're mm-hmm. going to make love. You care about this person. You're excited to see them. You have sex. Uh, but then I had to be like, hey, I, we got to talk. It was, it was weird. And it, it was so – she handled it. She didn't even handle it. You know what I mean? She just heard it and completely was loving and understanding and I was just completely blown away. Having been in so many uh, kind of jealous or ugly things right. in the past, to be with somebody and be like, hey, I had sex and I, I said what – I, what I actually said was I wasn't as careful as I'd like to have been. So I'm I'm positive that I don't have anything, but the tests aren't in. So just to be safe, let's let's use a condom, and we did. Uh, and the test came in, and of course I I didn't have anything. But like there, that was a new kind of love for me. Since then, and I'm not just saying this to be like a good guy. The idea of having sex with other people, like I said, in the season, it's just not appealing mm-hmm. right now. But one of the weird things about sex to me. It's this weird appetite that sometimes makes so much sense and other times makes no sense. It's, it's like one of the most dramatic things. And this is one of the most underrepresented phenomenons in – I can only speak for a male's existence in my life. Something that like will be all-consuming. All you want to do is fuck something. You're just like a wolf. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're like a fucking wolf. You can be a nice wolf but you're still a fucking wolf. And then like – Two days later, you just want to watch Murder, She Wrote? What the <laughs> fuck happened? You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about just after you came. I'm talking about spanning days. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about like a deep emotional reason. Like you're just feeling more, maybe more connected to the person you're seeing. Maybe you're having better texts and better phone calls. I, but again, I actually don't think it has anything to do with her. It's a seasonal thing. But then like in that season, so I'm in the season right now. I watched uh, – what's that – from the guy who made Love Actually, uh, the time travel one. About oh. time. About time. I watched About Time alone in my How hotel. Was that? It was fine. I didn't finish it. Uh, I had to go. But like, <laughs> I'm just in a lovey place. Mm-hmm. But I'm also aware that there might come a time where I'm like, oh, I'd like to have sex with somebody else. What the fuck are we to do with that? You know what I mean? Like I talk about open relationships and stuff on the show a lot. And people get uh, – sometimes they get upset or offended. Me too. I'm also both upset and offended with what appears to be an ever-changing problem of how to be monogamous, how to just be loving. How to well, be... I'm just conf- – I'm confounded by um, your whole relationship. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. So No, it would have been really weird to me, what, a year ago? But – so you don't want to have sex with other people currently because you're in love with love. Yeah. And but is she having sex with with other people? She could be. Yeah. Does I mean. that bother you? Strangely, when you okay, like, this, are you trying? Are you is the goal to have an open, uh, workable, open relationship? Is that what you're trying to do right now? 
We've talked about this in the past. It's like I don't know if that's what I would be doing if it weren't like a long distance thing. That's that's honest. It's not something that I've ever done before in my life. I am surprised at when you one of the one of the arguments that uh, people that do this sort of thing. This isn't a traditional open relationship. This is a long distance relationship, mm-hmm. and those aren't always exclusive. It's pretty. I would argue it's pretty normal. To be like, we don't live in the same town. Why are we going to go right. without sex for two months? Go without going on a date. Go without flirting. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, just just to only see each other. So that's what I'm doing. I'm not like a swinger. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it is a little bit weird. I'm getting a little bit of a taste of what that might be like. So I have to think about her. Okay, let's let's talk about sex for real. Why is it so disgusting to me uh, in this example to think of this girl having sex with somebody else when I'm okay with the thought of me having sex with somebody else? You know what I mean? If you can have heightened empathy for that person and we're looking at a lot of gender issues, we're looking at a lot of like impositions from society. Yeah. If I'm thinking about sex and this is this is like swinging open-minded Pete, which is not where I'm at currently. I'm just representing him. If we think about sex as one of the best things you can do and not sex with some scary fictional guy who doesn't exist whose dick is like a log and he has a neck tattoo and he's a a meth dealer you know what I mean some (laughs) fucking like I'm just picturing Tito is that his name from Breaking Bad Tuco Tuco she's not fucking the real life Tuco no she might be another Pete another Pete what if she knows another Pete like a wonderful loving guy your Uh, brother on this earth that's what I'm saying somebody that I would also enjoy right somebody that I would be like oh he's wonderful why wouldn't why would I want to cock block you yeah but here's the answer because it's fun to feel like even though you can't that you do possess somebody completely there's I think there's also something by its nature sort of exclusive and predatory about sex like it's hard to think that is not a threat to my sexual relationship with her if she's having sex with another me you know what i mean yeah i think that i think or maybe that's just my the way my female mind putting it that way but it's like my thing would always be well eventually i'm gonna lose the person to this other person that's i and you know what i agree you have to understand that i have all the feelings I, I'm not laying out a, a perfect plan mm-hmm. to, like, get rid of sexual jealousy because I think about that too and that can totally happen. Let's say you are I, – I was just thinking about this today. I was like, let's say I do get married, OK? And let's say – how many marriages fall apart including my own because somebody wanted to fuck somebody else? Now, she ended up falling in love and, and they got married and all that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit different. But, like, isn't it better to just what, – what if – OK, let's, let's start here. We're uh, – you and I are dating. And we, we get married. And then like in the modern relationship, it seems, as opposed to like the 60s, I could be like, you know, fucking Karen, Jesus Christ. And you would be like my hip wife and you'd be like, oh, she is your type all day. <laughs> and I'd be like, God damn. Like, and, and it would be like a joke between mm-hmm. us. You know what I mean? Like five clicks up the road is me fucking Karen and you knowing about it and me being like, those yeah, are gigantic it was great. clicks. Those are great clicks. I'm, they're clicks, not steps. These are right. clicks, and the knob turns hard and slow. You know what I'm saying? But I, I'm just interested in it. A lot of breakups I've had were because you uh, you start to suffocate in the feeling of being owned. Mm-hmm. I told this girl the girl that I see long distance, the main feature of what we have going, the main feature, because I'll go 
long bouts, months without having sex with somebody else. That's normally what I do, to be honest. Not, I did kind of say that to sound like a good guy. I hate that Christian puritanical thing that I have, but I'll just own it. I do say that to be like, aren't I virtuous? Uh-huh. But I, I'll go long bouts without sex. Because sex is bad? But I guess that goes back to sex being bad. What, what were we talking about? Uh, the main feature you guys have. Oh, the, that, thank you. The main feature isn't fucking other people. That's not what I enjoy the most about it. The main feature is a subtle hum in the back of my subconscious that says, you are free. You don't belong to anybody. And, that's, and I tell her that all the time. It's a great that's, feeling. That's, see, that's interesting. I thought you were going to say... The main feature is the subtle hum in the back of your head saying you are loved. There's someone who loves you. There is, yeah, and that no, <laughs> that's interesting. Maybe main feature is putting it too strongly. The most appealing atypical thing, because a regular relationship has somebody loves me. The thing that's weird about this situation, the main feature of that being a subset. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. The main thing of things that I think most people aren't getting is I go out going, maybe something crazy is going to happen. It doesn't, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but just maybe knowing it, it will. could. Knowing it could. Is knowing nice. there's there's a there's a certain openness to adventure and, and fuck sex. Just just sex being one of the things that's pleasant for human beings to do. That's an adventurous thing. Mm-hmm. But just the idea that like you could disappear to Paris, you know what I mean? Or you could get on a train or you could just drive and whatever, go on some sort of journey is a fun thing. The thing that starts to deteriorate and decay relationships that I'm in is when we're just like, we know what we're doing. Suddenly this is a desk job, you know what I mean? Something that Mm -hmm. started as you and I chasing fireflies in a field emotionally just became homogenized and, and bureaucratized into this thing where it's like, then we watch a movie, then we fuck, and I fuck you on top, and then I fuck you from the side, and then uh, whatever. You know what I mean? You have this recipe, and it's sad, <laughs> and you start feeling owned, both. The fucking guy, me, will often be the thing that starts to sand off the edges of the person, taking away some of their adventures, some of their drive, some of their life. Uh, and, and then I also just become the shadow of a guy who ke- doesn't even know how to voice his complaints because we live in a world where shut up, be a good boyfriend. And that's been every relationship you've been in pretty much? It's been a lot of them. I, well, th- not all of them. Not really. Not all of them. But, but it is interesting to me the feeling of going like it's just a little glint in your eye. And it does sound like we're talking about sex, but I promise you we're not just talking about sex. It's a glint in your eye where like I can go – Well, it's like you don't know – there's this idea that a committed relationship, it's like, well, now I know – I've read the last page of that book. I know exactly what's going to happen, whereas before it's sort of unwritten. Isn't that that theme song to that reality show, Unwritten? Oh, I don't know it. There's some – But you go – Rest is still unwritten. Oh. Maybe it was like it's like the hills or Laguna Beach or something. I just think love often – and you have to understand I'm – in favor of commitment. And again, I told you, I'm currently in a place where I'm just like having a wife and kids today, right now, seems so beautiful and seems like where I should be putting my energy. Mm-hmm. I actually have a lot of friends that have families and kids and I actually spend a lot of time with them and I enjoy that. I like hanging out with four-year-olds and I like watching like functional. Would, would As a host, would you be more appealing if you had a family? Like is that a thing that ever gets discussed? No, I actually think it's more appealing that I don't know what I'm doing. Okay. I hope it is. 
We talked about that. I was like, I'll be a single host. Uh, most of the other ones are married mm-hmm. in the sense that I'll be like, I could go on dates. You know what I mean? A lot of the hosts you'll notice do a lot of open flirting. There's just like an understanding right. that like it's okay that uh, you know some you know, people are being flirty even though we know they're married. Natasha Bedingfield song. There you go. Oh. Oh, wow. That's what you're looking at. I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> There's a screen behind me. Yeah. What was I saying? You were saying that a lot of you could go on dates. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but then before that, that was really where I felt the juice. It's just – it's just. oh, I was saying something that starts love being this really what, – what happens when you're falling in love? People stay up all night. People cancel plans. Yeah. People go on last-minute trips. It starts as fucking Indiana Jones. And then you get the artifact and then you bring it to the museum. That's marriage. And then it's just a thing in a museum. And you go, remember when that was in a temple? Mm. I don't want that. I, I, it's not I, – I can't stop saying this and it is because of my sex guilt. But it's not just sex. It's, it's this, uh, this idea that you're kind of like maybe maybe, maybe well, – like Duncan Trussell say? It's, he describes it as novelty. Novelty. And uh, Dan Savage calls it new relationship energy. Just meeting a new person is kind of one of the greatest things in the world. And I don't know if I'll ever get to a place where I'm comfortable with someone being like, I'm, I met Tony. Tony's amazing. I mean, am I like every guy where I'm like, ideally, she would only fall in love with other girls. That would, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, bullshit. But like from – you got you got to have it go both ways. It's that idea of uh, – I, I one time did this on stage. I was like – uh, when, like, if you're in a relationship, even if you're married, people will often be very comfortable with the idea of a celebrity pass, right? Right? And they're like, "Who's your celebrity pass?" And you're like, "Oh, Tom Cruise." Oh, if if you met Tom Cruise and you fucked him, I wouldn't mind at all. I'd just be like, <laughs> "Oh, tell me all about it." It's like that Mike Birbiglia bit. He's like, "I wouldn't be mad." I'd just be like, "Details." You know what I mean? Okay, so Tom Cruise because he's exceptional, or Michael Jordan because he's exceptional, or Bill Clinton because he's exceptional, gets to have an exceptional life. And gets to go out and do whatever, not just whatever he wants, but gets to do whatever comes his way, which often is a sexual thing because they're special people. Aren't you special? You have to be in the NBA. You have to be able to dunk from the foul shot, whatever it's called, line to be able to like (laughs) fuck more than one person. Aren't you special? Don't you deserve an exceptional life? Something worth sitting in a rocking chair when you're old and talking about? You're like a motivational speaker for sleeping around. I am. I'm a motivational speaker for novelty and like and some and I don't want to see people wearing mom jeans and drying up their fucking fuck parts. That's sad <laughs> to me. I sometimes I'll be in the airport and I'll see like a gorgeous milf uh, <laughs> with an older guy who's like not helping her with her bags, not looking at her. That's most important. He's not looking at her. And I get it. They've been married for 30 years and I get it. It's not natural. They're, they're done. They change in front of each other. They probably shit with the door open. I get it. Barbara's lost some of her appeal. And I'm like, doesn't Barbara deserve a little ecstasy? You know what I mean? It, why, why does it have to just be like uh, such a threat, the idea mm-hmm. that she might want to fuck somebody else, when the man is obviously wanting to fuck other people? Why is it when your daughter, your 16-year-old daughter, so creepy, has a sleepover, that trope of the dad being like... That is creepy. It is creepy. But it's also accepted. It's like, yeah, he wants to fuck. And the woman wants to fuck the pool boy. Let's just fucking own it. We want to fuck things. Can we talk about that? In that modern relationship model that I was saying with you where I'm like, Diana's hot as shit and that's okay, that might be enough. 
But because uh, again, I'm not just pitching swinging. But mm-hmm. here to go back to the bit, Clinton can do it. Michael Jordan can do it. All these people can do it. Uh, what if? My wife in this pretend scenario works with a guy who's the sense of humor, Tom Cruise. What if he's the empathy, Tom Cruise? What if he's the dress? He dresses well. <laughs> what if he is a good swing dancer or he's great at eating fucking 25 cent wings and, and, and he makes good puns? What if there's something about him that's very appealing? Wouldn't he be like a type of celebrity pass? Because what's the alternative? Either she fucks Scott, let's say. And get, his name would be Scott. Scott, fucking asshole. Yeah. See, I'm trained to hate him because right. I'm, I'm supposed to be like well, he's a threat. pushing my seed forward or whatever. Uh, or she can secretly pine for Scott and like fucking showerhead masturbate time in my house thinking about Scott. Or just get it out of her system. Fuck Scott. And realize that he's also made of carbon and molecules and he's going to die and he's just here at the same time and it's all burning up anyway. Who the fuck is Scott? He's just another insecure piece of shit like me. Fuck Scott. Tell me how it was. I'm not saying I can do that. But what if we could get to that place? That'd be great if we could. I think there's a lot of things working against us. Yeah, like the fact that she'll fuck Scott and then she'll keep fucking Scott and then she'll end up with Scott. Maybe. Because here's the the part that we didn't factor in. Did she start fucking Scott because we've been neglecting the relationship for a long time? You know what I mean? I mean, probably. (laughs) People that open it up are often like, we need to get to a place where we're good. Well, And again, I'm not even doing this. Am I making that clear enough? Yeah. I think sometimes you open it up because it's like, this is not really working. Right. But I don't have the... Oh, well, this is, okay. I, no, it's a judgmental the last state. Vestige. It's a very judgmental statement. Yeah. Here it goes. This is not really working. I don't have the balls to actually uproot my life entirely. So let's just see what happens. And okay. then it makes it so that it's like this This is much more livable when it's not the only thing yeah. that's I'm having sex with and that I'm looking for emotional, you know, right. I think. I think also in realities too, the Michael Jordans and Bill Clintons, uh, those special examples that I mentioned, have access to more people. Well, what I was going to say is the reason they're allowed on the list and Scott isn't is because there's this knowledge that... That they'll go. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. First of all, like you're going to have sex with Jennifer Aniston, let's say. But right. even if you did, I don't think it's going to turn into a relationship. Because she's busy. She's doing yeah. those smart it's water a, commercials. It'd be a, <laughs> right. It's a one-time thing. Right. I, okay, so maybe it would be a, a one-time thing with, with you and, and Scott. This, this, you have to understand, I'm starting at a place that's way more sexually repressed than you. Yeah. And I like these things as, as thought experiments. Everything that I'm doing is trying to be like, what was I taught and kind of what's the opposite? And can we just put on that weird itchy robe? And sometimes it is uncomfortable. Like I said, right now that, that doesn't feel like what I'm after. But there are times when I'm kind of like – if you're really being honest, if, if you had some brain injury where you were like, what do you want? You do want love and commitment. And, you know, the, the, the comfort I, – I actually get emotional thinking about this sometimes – is like having somebody that you really connect with on like a really base level, like a pheromone level. Like the way that they smell and taste and look is just so pleasing to you and that you found them. Of all the people you found each other, how did that happen? And then you actually liked me too. These are the best feelings yeah. in the world. And then to look at that person and to say, I love you. You're mine. You are mine. You're completely mine. And they're like, you're mine. You're mine. That's the best. I'm not – It like fills up all the emptiness. I know. Inside. It makes it's life like, make well, sense. It's also the s- similar – it's a similar feeling of all-consuming affection that a baby and a mother has. 
to make oh, it not sexual. Oh, it's so funny that no, you you just stole the thought right out of my brain. You're oh. you're returning to a deficit that you've had since you were an infant. Yeah, that it's sort eaten. of. Yeah, yeah, you're back in, in – and it is maternal and it is paternal. And the sooner we get okay with that, the sooner you can start having like a better, more fulfilling – a more honest relationship. It's nice for a guy to sleep on a girl's chest. You know what I mean? Why? Because you're a fucking baby man. You know what I mean? And that feels comforting. Tits are nice. They're also what fed you when you were mm-hmm. little. A, a pussy is nice too. It's where you, it was your old apartment. You understand? <laughs> like be okay with that. Your old and, stomping ground. And like and, – and whatever the girl version of that, I think it might be different things. But it's similar. Like being held, sitting on the lap and, mm-hmm. you know – Sweet little things like that. We could like talk feeling about feeling cherished. Yeah, I'm very Freudian, but like it, I think he makes a lot of sense in in that way. But uh, I forget what I was going to say. Well, I hope you don't feel like I, I I was not judging your libertine views or lifestyle at all. I was just saying no, just to reiterate things. And I don't even need to reiterate this. I'm not doing that. I'm dating a girl long distance, and I'm open to seeing other people. It just comes and goes. Uh, but oh, the thing that I was going to say: brain injury, gun to your head. You do oh, want right. that. Okay, but everybody knows, and it's so tragic. People hate the thought of love deteriorating. It's a reflection of how life itself ends. That's why it's so devastating. Mm-hmm. I would, yeah, I could go into that even more. But it's like love failing. Blue Valentine, saddest movie ever. Nobody wants to think about love going sideways. Okay, but sometimes it does, or sometimes it just becomes uh, it plateaus. Okay, so if you're if you're with somebody. And you, and you could give them something where they're really, truly being honest. There isn't a guy – I'm talking about like to make this fake place. It's all guys. It's all people you know. You're having beer. Whatever mask you need to put on to be your most honest self, uh, it's the end of the world. We're on a deserted island. We're just talking. It's never going to happen. I think You're on mo- a plane. It's about to go down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is your absolute truth? I think most guys – Maybe. I can't even say it. Most guys would probably sure. be like, I would like love and I'd also like to be able to fuck Karen. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I, and I Just don't your think – Right. And I don't think most women would say that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think some might. But I think – I don't think it's – that'd be interesting. Ladies who are listening, what do you think? Well, they do say – you also have if that? If you read uh, Sex at Dawn, I they said not. that the women would do it. I, it's, it's very difficult for us to separate you, Allison, from society and the way that we were raised. And I'm not, I'm not here to say that I'm qualified to do that. But in the way that I've been kind right, of sex perhaps negative. It's, it's, I've, it's the way I've been socialized perhaps. Of course it is. And, and we can't even – we're still doing a podcast. I know we're talking with candor. But we're still doing a podcast and, and it would be weird if you were like, me too. I want to fuck lots of guys because people well, might judge that. Maybe, well, but maybe – I mean – Maybe deep down I do and I'm not aware of it because I have – in the way that you've had a journey sort of towards sex away from from judgment about it, yeah. I've had a journey towards recognizing that I can't really separate <coughs> sex and emotion and love. Mm. And I have tried. I think all women did. Women who, who were like, I can ask a guy out and I can right. da-da-da and right. I can – you know, why can't I have a one-night stand? Why can't I sleep with him on the first date or whatever? Right. And it's like, I'm just going to have a good time tonight. Mm-hmm. I deserve I deserve a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have a good time. It doesn't mean anything. And then the next day, it's like, oh, why isn't he calling? And it's like, what? Why do I want him to call? But I do. I miss yeah. the feeling of being in his arms. What's going on? Yeah. After years of that, you know, now it's like I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try to have sex without love. 
I'm with you. And you know what? You're talking to a guy who used to say that sex should only be for your wife. And the reason is is because it's like a bonding glue to keep the relationship together. I, I do believe there's there's making love and then there's like living pornography. You know what I mean? And there's every everything in between. And, um, you know, having dabbled in both now uh, – it it is true. There are some cliches that are true. Sex that is connected, that is loved, uh, and you know, not even doesn't have to be gentle. I'm just saying, real and intimate emotionally is better. You know what I mean? And it's hard for me, even on this podcast, to represent the id, to represent the wolf, who I know is in me. Yeah, you. Yeah, and Every the more day you, I you put can't on, deny it, or else it'll just. Well, I don't want to go nuts, and I don't want to be in airport security resenting Barbara, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. not looking at her, and, and, and having, why is pornography such a huge business? Because so many married dudes, and not married dudes, but I'm talking about married dudes, are going and living out probably like huge fantasies, monogamous pornographic relationships with specific people. You know, I, I, I can't speak to that. I, I would tell you if I've had that happen, I don't have that happening, uh, but it's because we're not – and maybe we shouldn't be, but we're not addressing our full humanity. I'm not – as we're talking, I don't know if we can. You know what I right. mean? I it, don't know how – I mean if you think about what's so powerful about sex, something kind of animalistic and not – that you're not entirely conscious of often sort of comes out. Right. So that would so like by definition in conversation, how can we really address the totality of it? Because we're not right. there's so there's so much at work. Like it's, I've had the thing where all of a sudden I've started crying during sex, which did not used to happen to me. And when it happens to me, I'm like, oh, oh god, I am a cliche. Yeah, I'm a cliche. Right. who cries during sex. Yeah, but it's not from sadness. I don't know what it is. Yeah, we are. It's, it's because it's that <laughs> it's that feeling of connection. Sure. That then makes me cry. And that's great. Sounds good. Feels weird. Sounds good to me. I mean, I, I feel like that's what it should be, and that and that's what what sex certainly can be. And I, you know, I I've I've been lucky to have some really wonderful, loving sex in my life, and it to me is a, it's a spiritual thing. So when you're looking at taking something that is inarguably one of the most sacred things in the human experience, which is sexuality, for most people, some people are asexual, but for most people, sex is one of the things where we keep the juice, the thing that makes you feel alive, that makes you feel loved, makes you feel connected, brings you back to a place of perfect bliss that reminds us of, you know, being safe as children, as babies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to fuck with that. This is one of the reasons why this topic will always bother me. I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. tonight. I know it and, and go over what we've said here. Not every line, but I'm just going to wake up with general anxiety and be like, how did I come across? How, what did I say? Because it's hard to represent these things. No, I, I feel like you came across really well and like you're just trying to uh, give voice to things that people think about or urges. Or I mean, it's the best the best way to be is – acknowledging what you're feeling. Yep. It doesn't mean you have to act on it. Or maybe right. you do. But the I think the worst thing to do is to to live in that mask that we're talking about where you're like, I am a perfect person right. and I, I just push it all to the side and right. then who knows what happens. Well, I do think it's interesting that as soon as I let the reins out completely and, and was just like, I'm going to love myself 
regardless of what uh, what I do or what I feel or what I think or whatever, I'm just going to be okay and and act on my urges and have a one night stand or whatever, which was which was a, a new thing for me as well. You know, I was married till I was 28. Then I was in one and a half year relationships back to back to back. So I've only been single for like two two three years of my life. So that's two years of my life. Wow, that's not a lot. Wow. So this is all new to me. But I think it's interesting that. Uh, Having let the reins out, I have enjoyed uh, all of the things that we're talking about, casual things or, like I said, kind of more like pornographic, for lack of a better term, meaning no emotion. It's like we're all just kind of like getting off in this mm-hmm. situation. And it's it's a little bit weird, even though I'm kind of trying to argue the virtues of that life, and there are some, that here I am telling you that I'm in this season where I'm kind of like looking at my friends and holding their kids and like, yeah – there's a reason why people get married five times. There's mm-hmm. something to it. People keep going back to it. I would argue that it, that the romantic love and when you're connected with somebody and when you're in love reflects uh, – the word God is not good enough but reflects our relationship with God or the universe or just existence. Mm-hmm. If you're an atheist, just existence. And when it goes bad, it, it hurts so much because it reflects – how uh, you feel a, a disconnect yes. from everything. But that's when, when it feels good, and I've said this on stage before, when you're in love, serendipities pop up everywhere, songs on the radio. Well, seem suddenly to be, everything is just like deep, has meaning. And it's because meaning you're in and the connections flow. And yeah. You're in, you're where you're supposed to be. And, there, and there's no more clear example than when you're with the person you're supposed to be with. And, and that's when you're like, we were just talking about this and we were talking about Hulk Hogan and I just saw Hulk Hogan. You know <laughs> what I mean? You told me that story last night and I saw, I've had shit like that happen so much. It's because when we're – sometimes with the assistance of another person, you can feel your wheels like a train connect mm-hmm. to the rail and you're like, here I am. And that's why a devastating breakup, you feel like your train tips over and rolls down the hill and you're like, I'll never be back on the track. And, th- and that's, again, I just want people to know, all the people out there that are for monogamy, a lot of married people don't like when we talk about this. I get it. You know what I mean? When love is working, when monogamy is working, when family is working, it's a great, it's a great space. Um, and I like living in a society I benefit from living in a society. It, it takes some of the edge off. I don't want to be in the jungle. You know what I mean? You look at Sex and Dawn and they're like, oh, bonobos do this and they have group sex and, and they, uh, they don't judge it and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not, a, I'm not an ape. I am an ape. <laughs> right. I am an ape. But we have this consciousness and we have this evolution of our, of our thinking that we can maybe take what we've been given and figure out what we want to do. But at the same time, you, you do have to – Yield to what's natural. So we're fucked. Well, Pete, we're we're fucked out of time. We're fucked and we're out of time. Just remember, whatever you do, you're fucked. Thank you so much for doing this show. Fucked. We did not have time to do just me or everyone. So I think what we should do is play the song and do just one. It's a tease for just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something. All right. I'm now just trying to find a good one. Um, Let's see. Ryan Mulholland says, whenever I watch somebody measure something, I always think they're not doing it accurately enough. I don't have that. I'm actually the person who doesn't measure accurately enough. What are you measuring? 
Well, like if I'm going to go buy a bookshelf and I'm trying to figure out how much space oh, is yeah. here, I'll just like kind of throw a tape measure near it and be like, ah, I think I – and then I won't oh, write it. You'd drive this guy crazy. I won't write it down yeah. and then I will have no memory of it or something. So I don't know. I don't, I don't do my due diligence measuring-wise. But I am the person who does – and this is one of my worst qualities that I've actually just recently become kind of acutely aware of. It's easy for me to fall into a mindset where I'm like – no one's doing their job right or enough or I don't – like are like even like Daniel and I were driving somewhere recently and we had received like – Boyfriend? Um, yes. Fiance actually. Fiance. Mm-hmm. Fancy. It's a fancier boyfriend. Oh, um, I, oh, I see the ring. Good lord. Thank you. So <laughs> – You just say thank you. Thank you. I didn't compliment it. I was taken aback by it. No, it's lovely. It's lovely. Now I feel self-conscious that I said thank you. No, you were right. Okay. I thought it was very funny that you knew what I was saying <laughs> because that, that is what you want people to say. is like, good Lord, look at yeah. that thing. It's amazing. Um, so – and also I feel a little bit weird that I just corrected the – I corrected – I said boyfriend and then I corrected it to fiancé. I think because – okay. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for just one second. BFF. Because – Boyfriend forever. These guys yeah. know that he's my fiancé. And I was afraid that, like, if I didn't clarify, then somehow they'd be like, what, why is Called she letting it just <laughs> – so I don't know. I felt – I don't know. I, anyway. No, um, it's, a, it's a special thing. It, it, it's a – the reason we have that word is – so I had a color in my brain when you said, Daniel, your boyfriend, I'm looking at a green. And you're like, no, it's my fiancé. And now I'm looking at, like, a hard blue. <laughs> well, like, there you I, go. I completely changed how yeah. I filed that man. But so, so anyway. He's a class act. He's committed. He doesn't want to fuck Karen. He so does, he was but he like, won't. Yeah, you just take a left up there. <laughs> what are we talking about? Karen. Just take a left up there. And then I was like, could you just, just read me the, whatever the directions we received were when mm. we were driving? My point being, I was like, you're, you're giving me directions and they're not good enough. Like I have a thing in, in me where I'm like, just, just, do the, just, do the whole, just do it right. I, I understand that. I hate that part of me. It's probably – I mean there's some good parts to it. I guess, yeah. I mean that's just taking care of business. This guy right here, even though I think that tells us a lot about him, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm also the kind of guy that goes to the store and I'm like, I think it's – this will fit. You know what I mean? But I'm also an idiot that has to return my you know, my bookcase sometimes. Uh, the world needs him and the world needs me. I'm also freestyling my recipes and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I've never, you know what I mean? It's people like us that are fun and spontaneous and we're causing a little bit of mayhem. It's people like him that are like, oh, here's the emergency room and, and make sure you have this many cc's of this to stay alive. Right. So it's, every, it's a good mistake. <laughs> you know, just give him some blood. Yeah, it's completely fine. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. That was fun. Pete, thank you so much. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, why not? This is where I go into a bunch of little... Oh, really? Pluggy things. If you're gonna Do buy you some- have a script here? No, I don't. It's all in my head. If you're going to buy something What's on Amazon. What's your a- promo code? Well, no, this is not a promo code thing. It's a, If you're going to buy something on Amazon, click through oh. the banner on my website at allisonrosen.com. Uh-huh. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and but it helps out the show. the show. Yes, it totally helps out the show. Um, See, and then- I could do that with my own podcast, and you I don't should. do it. You, and people can get your podcast, You Made It Weird. Uh, that's not what I meant. I know, but I just want them to know. <laughs> and they can follow you on Twitter at Pete Holmes. And we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You need this. You can get it by searching hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your How's iPhone. How's that doing? In the iTunes store. Is it doing the, well? It's doing, I think it's, yeah, it's doing pretty well. It's yeah. not quite, it's a segment that we do on the show we didn't have time today. But it, um, 
it, this is the companion ringtone. Mm. And uh, also, we recorded a live podcast at LA Podcast Festival I'm with Doug Jeff, Benson. Okay. Yes, sure, go for it. With Doug Benson and uh, Matt Costa and Gary, Matt, and Chris. And that is available now in the iTunes store. So just uh, just look for that in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. You can follow Chris at Chris Loxmana. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. And uh, anything else you want them to know, Pete? Um, look, I told you your urethra story on the podcast. Is that okay? I made it clear you don't have AIDS. <laughs> well, let us know if he responds with anything. Well, we might have to take it out. I doubt it. Okay. Um, I would like to plug the Pete Holmes show comes back on February 24th, uh, which is going to be great. It'll be on for 13 weeks, uh, midnight after Conan, PeteHolmes.com for all the info. Uh, and the guest this week on You Made It Weird is the lead singer of my favorite band, The National, Matt Berninger. Oh, neat. awesome for me. So even if you don't like my podcast and like The National, check it out because he, he was a ton of fun. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is so fun. I love gabbing with you. We, I do, too. I feel like we could pong and ping and we ping, ping and, and pong. pong for like another five hours. I'm really ready to go. You ask the you always ask the question that is where we're going. You know what I mean? Very natural. You kind of – you get it. Sometimes you talk to people and you're like, they don't are you get listening it. to I me? Know. And uh, I, I honestly think it's a successful one when you can go into some areas where even we are still growing and learning as opposed to just preaching – because, uh, you know, as I made it very clear, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's fun It's fun to figure it out with you. Thank you. Yes. I feel the same. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? We had a good time, but now we got to go. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. That's right, that's right. Those good times don't seem to end. That's right, that's right. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hey, do you know?
This is Corolla Digital.